are you ready for God's word? I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a deep appreciation that is building for God's word in this house. And that means that God is blessing this house because he blesses what he values and he values his word. And when his people honor his word, then he blesses them. We, we incur his favor because uh, he's a good father. He's a good father. Come on, how many of you fathers, when your children honor you and do right, you bless them? You bless them. When they don't do right and they don't honor you, you correct them. And so today we're going to talk about getting, uh, having God's blessing, not his correction. Because I don't know about you, but I'd rather be blessed than corrected. And you say, Pastor, God really corrects? That sounds mean. No, if you're a father, you know that if you don't correct your son, someone will. That's the truth. And that's a scripture you can take to the bank. Meaning if you spare the rod, you spoil the child, and sooner or later law enforcement has to deal with them. A boss has to deal with them. A wife has to deal with them, right? You know? And so there's a lot of wives going, man, please correct these boys because it is hard work trying to sort them out. The truth of the matter is that when we do right, things are right. And today I want to finish up Abundant Life. You say, Pastor, I thought we finished Abundant Life before you left on, on your trip, right? Or before you were out. And I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. We, we went to the beautiful state of Tennessee. We were there uh, in Nashville for a couple of days. And then we went into the country for a couple of days and experienced Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge and a couple places like that. It was just a quick trip, but we enjoyed it nonetheless. And it was, it was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. And Pastor, Brother Jamie, he said, don't call me Pastor. Brother Jamie did an amazing job, did he not? He did an amazing job. And I tell you, I told him, I said, make it happen. He made it happen. Today, though, we're covering, we're finishing Abundant Life. You might say, Pastor, why are we finishing Abundant Life? I thought you did finish it. But I, I remember sharing with you that in my heart, I felt like I wasn't done. And one of the reasons I felt like I wasn't done is because there's so much that I still needed to cover. There's so much that I still needed to cover because throughout the time that I was preaching, I kept saying, man, I really, I really need to share this. And I would feel like the Lord was impressing this or that. And I, I said, Lord, I'll be preaching all year on abundant living. How to receive the abundant life. He said, good, because I came to share my whole life on that topic. But today I figured, you know what, there's... There's some things that I haven't shared, and I feel like the Lord said, just put them all in one message, share them with, with your congregation, and then encourage them to go further in their own study. And so today, I'm going to share with you eight points that God has been putting on my heart. These aren't the only eight on how you can have God's blessing and favor and abundant life, but they're important. And I think if you start here, you'll definitely be blessed. Now, we've talked about be a servant, be generous, be grateful. Today I want to talk to you about do right. Do right. You know, it's interesting because as I talk to my son, and uh, when we get away, I always get time to really just talk to him and really just spend some time with him. 
And I shared something with him. I said, the older I get and the more years I live, the more I realize that if I just do right, God takes care of the rest. And I want to admit something to you, that for many years, I didn't always do right. Anyone else in the room? Because y'all are looking at me like, oh my goodness, how dare you? I always do right. I cannot believe you, Pastor. But, I mean, for me, I was too competitive for my own good. You go, what does competition have to do with it? Well, competition makes you proud sometimes. And you're always trying to tout yourself. You're always trying to one-up somebody. You're always trying to win at whatever the cost. And when I came with that mentality into marriage, I wanted to win an argument, under, not understanding that if I won, we lost. And so this caused all sorts of issues. And so I truly believe that I didn't always do right, and I still don't always do right, because to do right... Um, you've got to go against the flesh and you've got to go against what's natural to you in your own worldly desires. But you've got to learn to forego that. And that's what the Bible teaches, how to forego that and, and to live at a higher level. To live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. In other words, live by the supernatural power of God's Word. You say, why God's Word? Why is God's Word so important? Because the, the truth of the matter is that the better our decisions get, the better our life gets. The worse our decisions get, the worse our life gets. Isn't this true? Come on, anyone will know that if you discipline yourself and you make the right decisions, disciplined decisions, let's say in work, you will have more or less opportunity. You'll have more. How about if you discipline yourself as a student, will you have more or less opportunity? As an athlete, will you have more or less opportunity? What if you don't discipline yourself at all and you walk in rebellious ways doing what you want, when you want, how you want? There could be a time where you find yourself in a six by nine cell and they tell you everything, meaning they determine when you sleep and when you rise and when you eat and when you exercise and because there is a point where your freedom is taken from you. And I want you to share, I want to share something with you. That the greatest thing God did for you is he made you free. Amen. He made you free. Why? Because he loves you. And because he loves you, he says, I'm not going to make you a slave. I won't force you to love me. Any man, any woman understands this concept. You cannot force a woman to love you. The minute you grab her and force her, it's not love. It's not love. You have to woo her. You have to woo him. You've got you've to choose love. And so it's the same thing with God. God woos you. He sent his son to show you, watch how I love you. I'm willing to die for you. You know, it's interesting because talking about men and women, we say, well, you know what? I, I, I would die for my wife. But when was the last time you got an opportunity to jump in front of a bullet for your wife? Can I tell you something? Instead of saying, I would die for you, say, honey, can I live for you? Because you get an opportunity every day to live out affection, to live out generosity, 
to live out forgiveness, to live out the, the nature of what God came to show us in Christ. Isn't that true? And so this is what we're talking about, these choices, because in life we make choices. But can I tell you, if, in case you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I've made some bad choices in my life, and now I find myself in a tough spot, is there hope? I want to let you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is hope. And you're here by divine appointment because God wants, to in, God wants to infuse into your life, into your heart, a tremendous hope. A hope that he can restore what the enemy has stolen. He can bring it back. You know, it's interesting because in the word of God, if you catch a thief, you can make him pay restitution. Sevenfold. That means he can, he can make you complete. God can make you complete, but you've got to catch the enemy and decide, I'm not going to give him any more room to keep stealing from me. I'm going to make sure I close things down and I live and do the right thing. You say, Pastor, do you mean that even, even the worst of consequences, God can just snap his fingers and make it right? Yes, he can, but he doesn't always. And the reason for that is because he wants this world to understand there are consequences and you do have to pay the consequence. Meaning, let me put it to you this way. If you lose time in prison, you can't get that back. The time is gone. If you break a relationship because of bad, past bad choices, you can't always, what, rewind and put that relationship back together, especially if the individuals have passed on or moved on. What do you mean moved on? Maybe they have a family and you can't come back to where you were. But what you can do is trust God to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could have hoped for, imagined, or dreamed. And he promises to do it. He promises to say, I will give you a brand new start. I can restore what the enemy has eaten, what, what the locust has eaten, what the enemy has stolen. What does that mean? I can give you joy. I can give you peace. I can give it to you in abundance. I can make you complete. I can take you from this point and take you beyond what you could have thought, but you've got to trust me for it. You've got to believe me in it. You've got to do it my way. Are you ready? Because today we're going to be talking about do right. Do right. The late, great Martin Luther King Jr. said, the time is always right to do what is right. Isn't that true? It's always a good time to do the right thing. But it's not always easy. In fact, it can be rather difficult. But the Bible says that doing right is what we're all about as Christians. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. From the NIV, it says this, the Lord is more pleased when you do what is right and just, then when you offer him sacrifices. Well, pastor, we don't offer sacrifices. We offer the sacrifice of our lips. The sacrifice of our lips is when we say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you. Lord, you are my savior. You are my Jehovah Yahweh. You are, you are my God, but yet we live a different way. So today I'm going to talk to us about living right. Oh, I can tell uh, a few people are excited about it. You know, living right. Come on, how many parents would say, if you just do the right thing, God will take care of the rest? And God today tells us that. In the book of Romans, he puts it this way. 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Again, the NIV would say it this way. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Why do we care about others? Because you are a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. You're a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. Come on, your children represent you like you represent the Father. When your children are out and about and they're acting crazy, what are they going to say? Now, while we were out, I saw a little kid acting nutty. He was screaming, hollering. I mean, you, every parent was looking over there, and what were they thinking? Oh, you, exactly, someone said it. He needs a good old-fashioned, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it, a good old-fashioned butt whooping. And the dad in the airport just kept trying to, and boy, she would fall, it was a little girl, fall on the ground and slap at him and hit him and just acting foolish. What does that tell you? It tells you that we were all vipers and diapers. And that the Bible is correct when you say, when it says, if you love your child, you discipline them. And God loves his children, so he disciplines us. But more importantly, that child, no one said, oh, that child is horrible, that child is this, that child is that. Everyone was saying, dad, get control. Dad, it's your fault. It's not her fault, it's your fault. Can I tell you, we won't bring reproach on God like that because he's a good father. Amen? Amen. And so we're to do right because we're a walking billboard representing him. And this is what the Lord says to us in the book of Deuteronomy. I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Come on, is there anything else besides heaven and earth? And he says, I'm calling everything in creation as a witness to my covenant between me and you. And watch the covenant. He says that I have set before you. That means I've given you my love. And as a loving father, you get to choose. And watch what he puts, life or death, good or evil. Come on, blessings or, come on, isn't this just like a dad? Come on dads, how many of you, when you would try to bless your children and they were starting to go to the wrong choice, you would be like, am I right? You're like, no. Sometimes I would try to bless my children, and my children kept going. Kind of reminds me of, no, nah, you don't have time for that. Let's keep going. And he says, therefore choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Point number one, fear the Lord. Come on, how many of you think I'm going to get through eight points? Oh, come on, church. Have some faith. Have some faith. It says, uh, my first point is fear the Lord, not man. Because if you're going to choose right, you've got to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And how many of us have realized that the American church has lost its healthy fear of God? We've become greasy gracers. What does it mean to be a greasy gracer? Oh, God will forgive it. God understands. The other day I heard someone talking to a street preacher and they said this to them. They said, God doesn't care how you live. As long as you say you love him and believe in him, you can do whatever you want. Is that true? 
Is that true for any father? As long as the child says, I love you, dad, and then goes out and lives like hell? That doesn't work. That's not the way life is. And so we are to fear God. Have a good, healthy fear of God. What does that mean? I revere your word, Lord. If you said it in your word, then it's important to me. Your word is important to me. You say, Pastor, but why is that word so important? Because the word will show you how to make the decisions you have to make in an everyday situation. You say, you're telling me that my unique, nuanced circumstance is represented in that word? Yes and no. Not your specific, nuanced, detailed circumstance, but the wisdom that you can bring forth to bear in that unique circumstance is in his word. But how do I get that wisdom? You get it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know when you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit will lead you? In fact, Jesus promised that. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send you my spirit. And he's going to take from me and make it known to you. And in fact, he's going to take from my word and make it known to you. But what if we don't know the word? Then how can the spirit take from the word that you don't have? You say, Pastor, then it's important to get in the Word. Bingo. It's absolutely important to get in the Word because that's what He's going to use to bring forth the wisdom to bear on whatever situation, circumstance, decision you have to make. Amen? Amen? But we have to fear God. That means, Lord, you are important, more important to please you than it is to please my peers. Can I tell you the fear of man will trip you up every time? Come on, how many of us have made bad decisions because we've become insecure and worried about what other people think versus what does God think? Come on, how many of us have ever compromised our values because of someone else wanting to please them rather than wanting to please God? Come on, how many of us have ever felt less than because it steals your confidence when you live for others rather than living for God? Why? Because at the end of the day, you won't be able to lie to yourself. When you lay your head on the pillow, you'll say, I knew better and I should have done different. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And so we have to live to please God. This is why the Bible says, and do not fear. Listen to me. Those who can kill your body. But fear the one that can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. You go, wow, this pastor really preaches like more than just feel-good stuff. Come on, how many of you know if you're going to really live life at the next level, you've got to deal with God's complete truth, not just the sweet stuff. You've got to deal with the fact that he is a righteous, awesome, magnificent God and that we should respect him. Isn't that true? And you'll find something that when you fear God, you're honest. You tell the truth. You value truth. Number two, tell the truth. If you want to have an abundant life, be a truth teller. Be a truth teller. It's not the way you used to be. You're different. How do I know you're different? Because the Bible says it all the time. If any man be in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. If you are a new creation in Christ, then just that. The old has passed away and you are raised to walk in new life. You are new. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. 
You are a brand new creation in Christ. You go, Pastor, how do you know this? Because every once in a while, the devil tempts me to go back to the old me. Anyone ever been tempted to go back to the old you? You're like, oh, wow, that was BC Chris right there. That was before Christ. Man, you know, um, and this lady in Gatlinburg tempted me to go back to the old me. Oh, I would never disrespect a lady by, by smarting out first. <laughs> but man, she, she almost brought up the, the old me. Anyone ever get tempted to go back to the old you? That means that there's a new you. Some of you are saying, no, I, I don't know the old me. The old me is the me. Then if there is no old you, then that means there is no new you. And if there is no new you, then it's still the old you. And the old you needs to be made new in Christ. Amen? And that's how you know. You say, but pastor, there once was a new me, but I've gotten comfortable back in my old me. Then you need to repent, rededicate, and come on now, because God has more for you. Watch. Listen to what the Bible says. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the world does, as those Gentiles that are not saved. Why? Because there's some things going on that you don't want to deal with in, in, in over here. What is it? In the futility of their minds. What does it mean to be futile? It means it's useless. If something is futile, it's useless. Their mindset is useless. What do I mean by that? I mean everyone wants to live. Everyone wants to be blessed. Everyone wants good and eternal life. But if you don't have your mindset in Christ, it's useless. You'll never get there because you're not strong enough or supernatural enough to get yourself saved. You need a savior because it's not just about the mindset. It's about the heart too. Watch. It's right here. He talks about the heart. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. That means ignorance is not a bad word. They just don't know. And how will they know if you don't? That's what the Bible says. you got to share your faith with your friends, but watch. Alienated because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Anyone comes to Christ, you gotta break your heart and you gotta receive him in here, not just here. You've gotta by faith understand, Lord, you are the living God. You broke through time and space to hang on a cross and to show me how much you love me. And I'm done doing it on my own. I surrender my life right here and now for you. But, but let's keep going. They have become callous and have given themselves to, up to sensuality. What is sensuality? It means for their senses. It feels good. That's why I say sin feels good. Someone said, no, it doesn't, Pastor. Then you weren't doing it right. <laughs> sin does feel good. But it'll leave you broke, busted, and disgusted. It'll leave you broke, busted, and disgusted. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What does it mean? In the old NIV, it said, with a continual lust for more. When you have greed, that means you want more. I heard a testimony from a billionaire that said, I have more money that I can spend. And so I tried to find pleasure in giving me fulfillment. Uh, and so I would go out and buy things, and for a second, it would give me fulfillment. 
I knew I had a problem when I bought a Ferrari and for like a day or 20 some hours, it, it made me feel good and then I got bored. I drove it for 100 miles and then I sold it. And I was done with it. And I bought this and I bought that and I bought this and I bought that. Then I started taking one pill. Then I took two pills. Then I took four pills. Then I took eight pills. Then I was taking the whole bottle because nothing would do it for me. Why? Because lust will never fulfill you. It just makes you want more and more and more and more. And only God can fulfill you. And that's what he says here. He says, you, okay, let's keep going. Watch. I'm going to share with you the truth here. But that is not the way you learned Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in... Notice what he said, the truth is in Jesus. Put off the old you, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's what I'm talking about. These lusts lie to you. They tell you they can fulfill you, but they don't. They're deceitful. Watch. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That means God wants to do a supernatural change inside of your mind, your heart. He's going to do something you cannot do for yourself, but he's going to do it through his truth. And you cannot buy the lie. You've got to say, Lord, I know your word is true. And if your word says it's true, then that's what I value. And that's what I live. And when I speak the truth and when I live the truth and when I do the right thing, something supernaturally takes place in my mind, in my heart. It changes me. It changes me. Then you're ready to live at that new level. If you don't believe it, you haven't tried it. I promise you haven't tried it. Try it. It will knock your socks off. He goes on, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness. There it is again, true. Having put away falsehood. I don't want anything to do with falsehood. I want to speak truth. Amen. Number three, tithe. You go, be honest, live truthful, value God's word. Number three, tithe. Man, pastors always say that, and I've known a lot of pastors that do the wrong thing with tithe. Okay, let me ask you this. Would you agree that Mozart is, is known as a genius and that his music is exceptional? Yeah, through the ages it has stood the test of time, Mozart. In fact, the marriage of Figaro and its overture is known worldwide. It's beautiful. Or how about his sonata in A major? Or any of his other compositions. They're beautiful. But let me say, what if someone grabbed that composition, that, that musical piece, and played it atrociously? Would you blame Mozart? Would you say Mozart's a fool? Did you see the way that guy played it? Who would you blame? So don't blame Jesus or his word when it says tithe. Because someone has done it wrong. Or someone hasn't done it according to what his word is about. You say, but pastor, how can you convince me that God or that I can make 90% uh, go further than 10%. You cannot. You need God. And so what God is showing us when we tithe, 
He's showing us to put him first. You say, but pastor, I put him first with my mouth, not with my actions. That's why he says, don't tell me, show me. Give me 10%. You say, well, well, no, 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 that's not a New Testament concept. I can show you where Jesus tells the Pharisees, you tithe and you do good. If he wanted them not to tithe, he should have said, you tithe and you're not going to have to tithe anymore. Wouldn't he have said that? Why does he, why does he command it? Say, good job, keep tithing. Because he understands that when we tithe, we're actually saying to the Lord, I trust you. Why do I trust you? Because I am acknowledging that everything I have comes from your hand. It comes from your hand, not by the sweat of my brow, not by my intellect, not by my knowledge, not by me. And it's the opposite of, of what pride. You say, how should I tithe? Proportionally, consistently, sacrificially. That means the Bible says when he gives you increase, then you bring him what belongs to him. Well, if he hasn't given me anything, then you don't have to tithe anything. But if you get increased, then you tithe. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to keep going. Live pure. Live pure. Now, I'm going to make a lot of friends in here on this one. Because the word doesn't, I mean, the, the church doesn't like to talk about purity anymore. But how many of us know that God is, is a righteous God? He's holy. And purity does matter. It does matter. And that's what it means to live true. True, because this is what I'm trying to tell us, guys. That when we live true and consistent with God's word, something supernatural takes place. When you say one thing, but you do another there's a breakdown, and you actually become what I call um, an emotionally disturbed Christian. What do you mean? It means you say one thing, but you do another, and there's no real true faith and confidence in here. In here. And so I'm going to share with you on Live Pure, we have to be careful, little eyes, what we see. Be careful, little ears, what we hear. Be careful, little mouth, what we... Because the Lord is... And he listens down below. And there is a consequence. You know, I'm always surprised when Christians say to me things like this. Pastor, have you seen that new show? And I go, which show? They go, this is an example. Sons of Anarchy. Remember when that was a big thing? And they would go, Sons of Anarchy, awesome show. I went and looked at it. It's filth, absolute filth, and I'll tell you why. It highlights and it makes a big deal of living an anarchy lifestyle, a lawless lifestyle. Lawlessness, rebellion is witchcraft and detestable to God, detestable to him. Anarchy literally means without law, lawless. The lawless one is Satan himself. And so when you watch that, what is it doing to your spirit? Come on. Oh, amen, pastor. Good preaching. Thank you, pastor. Absolutely, pastor. Yes, it's time to come out of Babylon. 
It's time to come out and say, I live for the king of all glory. I live for the king of glory who's coming back soon. He's going to split the sky wide open and I'm going to stand before him and give an account. Just saying, just saying, this, this Christian light gospel that we're putting out there, ooh, I can imagine the Apostle Paul coming into our culture going, what? Okay, let me, let me finish this slip here. How about this? In the Bible, the, the, the word that's used a lot is this word in Greek called porneia, porneia, okay? It literally means illicit sexual activity. Or uh, give you a couple more uh, uh, context over this. It means, in general, it, it means sexual immorality. And it's used 25 times in the New Testament. In the NASB, it's consistently translated fornication. You might also see sexual immorality, or you might see just plain immorality. But it's the word by which we get pornographic. And God is against that. And he literally says, no sexually immoral will enter the kingdom of heaven. Ugh, someone should be like, Lord, help. Because in this culture, we have been taught that pornography is okay as long as it's done in the bedroom. But yet I have, I have seen couples wreck their lives introducing pornography to spice up their relationship. And I'm going to share something with you men. God made you special. He made you to have this amazing ability to lock onto something and you were to lock onto your wife. Something happened when I locked onto Melissa. She is the only one for me. Like, I love this girl. Oh, man, I love this. And that's the way we're supposed to love our wives. But the Satan wants to come in and distract us and get us to lock onto all these other things. And this man, he locked onto some pornographic stuff. His wife didn't realize it was changing him. And it almost landed him in prison and broke their marriage to only God could bring it back together. And he did. And God did save it, but it took a lot of hard work because so many times we think, well, by grace, I can dig a deep hole, fall in it, and then snap my fingers and God will get me out. But can I share something with you? If it took you four years to dig the hole, it might take you more than four minutes to get out. Let me put it to you in financial terms. If you got into four years worth of debt, can you get out in four minutes? Well, that's why I'm praying for the lottery, Pastor. Good luck with that. <laughs> you know? But what I'm trying to tell you is this, guys. We have to, you say, Pastor, then what do I do? What do I do? You say to the Lord, I want to live pure. Your word matters to me. I don't care what this world has to say. I want to honor you. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, have that conversation with the Lord. By the power of your Holy Spirit, teach me to live free. I bind in the name of Jesus, that evil spirit, that demonic force that has bound me in deceitful lusts. Break it, Jesus. 
break it, Holy Spirit, by your name, by the power of the blood. Break it. Set me free to walk in righteousness. And from this moment on, I consecrate myself to you. You say, and that's it? And every day you do the same thing until you're free. And then once you're free, you keep praying. You keep praying spiritual, powerful prayers to remain free. Because this is a spiritual life we're living. Can I hear you? Can, can you hear me? This is why we're honoring marriage so much in this church. Because I know that's where God's blessing is. Sexual immorality means don't have sex if you're not married. Homosexuality is wrong. There's a right way that God prescribed. You say, oh, pastor, that's not very popular today. I'm not trying to be popular. I'd rather please God more than man. Amen? I'm trying to bless you. See, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. He's talking about the flesh here. He's saying you got to live for the spirit. Watch. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Flee from sexual immorality. Everyone, uh, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against their own body. What does that mean? It means that when you commit sexual immorality, there is a spiritual tie that takes place. That spiritual tie is meant for you and your future husband or wife to bond. This is why when you divorce or, or a spouse dies, it's ripping you apart. You don't want to bind yourself to pornographic images. Guys, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking to my men here because this is what the enemy is really using against men. Let's keep going. Be humble. Be humble. Hum, humility is super hard for me. And that goes back to that competitive nature. And I thought that you had to talk trash and, and be one of those kind of guys. And the Lord has taught me if I want his blessing, I should be humble. And so, guys, I would say be humble. You say, what else can I, can I hear about that? Well, that's something you can go study in your own. Uh, a great book you can read is Andrew Murray's Humility. Andrew Murray, Humility. And humility is what gets the attention of God. God is attracted to humility. His eyes roam to and fro, looking for those who are humble that he might bless them. Because if you bless someone who's not humble, they will wreck their life. And I truly believe that's one of the reasons the Lord has held me right where he, he's had me. Because he knows, I give Chris too much, he's going to go off a cliff. You say, oh, pastor, then what? We all struggle with something. We all struggle with something. And for me, I've been saying, Lord, teach me how to live humble. Teach me how to have patience. Teach me how to trust you, Lord. Amen? Number six, forgive. Forgive. Really forgive. Forgive. You say, Pastor, what else can we say about that? Well, the Bible says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave us. 
And nothing stops the flow of God's blessings like unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness hardens your heart. And God will move in a soft heart, not in a hard heart. And so you say, Pastor, what do I need to do to, do, to, to forgive someone? Won't it make me weak? I feel like a victim if I forgive them. In fact, it is stronger. It, it, it represents strength to forgive someone. Come on, which is harder to do? To hold a grudge or to forgive? Anyone knows it's a lot harder to forgive than it is to hold a grudge. So you need this power of the Holy Spirit to help you forgive. And what you do is you start praying, Lord, help me to forgive and help me to bless that individual. You say, but how can I bless someone who's hurt me? You do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great attitude. Number seven, have a great attitude. So I want to share with you a story that happened to us in uh, Gatlinburg. We're at the end of our trip. We're about to come back, and we've been eating out all over Tennessee, and it's been a beautiful, beautiful, amazing trip. Come, come on, because when you, when you go to a place, how many of you want to experience the local cuisine? And you, you look at places that have high ratings. You look at places that, that are known for this or that, and Raquel does an amazing job, and she has this list for us, and so we've been eating way more than we should. And uh, my father-in-law was like, I'm kind of done with local stuff because he's like a meat and potatoes guy and a hamburger guy. It's like he's th- he keeps it right here between the lines. He doesn't get out very far. And so he's like, I'm kind of done with all this fancy stuff. I just want something more local. So we had passed by a Texas roadhouse. And I don't even know. They may not even be Texan, right? <laughs> but you put Texas in the name and the Texans are drawn to it. Like, yeah, that's good food. And so uh, he's like, let's go there. And so we go, and Pigeon Forge and Severville are pretty close, and I forget which one we were at, but they're like nine minutes apart, and the roadhouses are nine minutes apart. They have two different roadhouses. So right where we were shopping, there's, a, there's an outlet mall, we, we went straight to the Texas Roadhouse, and it was a madhouse. You ever been to a place that's so packed, you're like, I can't eat here. They're not going to get my order right. Something's wrong. So we went to the other one. And when we walk into the other one nine minutes away, they sat us right away. Little did we know, there's a reason why one is packed and the other is not. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? And so we sit down, but I'm, I'm parking the car. I drop the ladies right in front. When I get there, Raquel says, the, the waitress was super rude. I said, what do you mean? She was like badgering me to put an order in. And there's only like three of us here. Grandma and Jenny went to the restroom. You were parking the car. Honey, you know, we're just trying to situate ourselves. And she's like, y'all need order. We need order. What are your orders? What's your order? What's your order? And then she says to her, just give us a minute. So then she comes back. She goes, are you ready now? (laughs) Now, the old me, remember the old (laughs) BC almost came out. Before Christ almost came out. And said, I worked too hard for my money to have you disrespect me and have me pay you for it. Amen? Who does that? I heard there's a, a place on the Riverwalk that you pay for them to disrespect you. I would never do that. I would never, I just wouldn't. Somebody get in trouble. Real, I would, there'd be a fight. Crazy Mexican beating up a waiter, quick, quick, security, you know. Uh, anyway, um, so... So then she comes back and we ask her for bread because how many of you know Texas Roadhouse bread is next level? So we can bring me some bread with the cinnamon. She brings one for everyone. 
like not one bread, a basket, trying to make a point. Oh, you must want the free stuff. And she starts throwing it on the table like that. She threw it on the table, rolls popping everywhere. <laughs> she starts taking our order. We wanted to order appetizers. She didn't care. What are you going to have for your entree? She gets to my son-in-law and look at him. He is so nice and sweet and easygoing. He never makes anybody upset. She, she says, he starts ordering and she says, what do you want for your sides? She says, What's, what, what can I have? It's in the menu. Right then I snapped. I said, we're out of here. And Raquel said, I think you're having a bad day. Oh, no, I'm not. She starts arguing. Says, you have a bad attitude. No, I don't. Said, I think we're leaving. Fine. Wonderful. Something like that. And walks away and she goes to tell her manager. I talked to the manager trying real hard for the, to live in the new me. <laughs> That's how you know you're saved. Because there is a new me. And there is an old me. If it was just the old me. You see what I mean? If there is no new me, then there is no salvation. <laughs> but we left, and we go to the back to the other. How crazy is that? We go back to the other Texas Roadhouse, because we wanted Roadhouse so bad. And the guy who comes up is this guy. And watch his shirt. I love my job. What if every Christian walked around with a shirt, so to speak, that said, I love my Savior, and I want you to know by the way I live and serve you. It was as if, I kid you not, Anthony, it was as if someone put us in a movie, the the stark difference from the moment we walked in, he goes, how you doing folks? I'm so glad I'm going to be your servant. Whatever you need, I'm here to make your experience wonderful. Then he says, y'all go ahead and have a seat. In just a minute, I'm going to join the family. And he sat down and he said, I want to take your order. Let's start off with drinks. What do you feel like? What do you feel like? You want some appetizers? Let me suggest a couple. If not, you got your own, I'll take it down. Not pushy, but not laying back either. Engaging us just perfectly. We're looking at each other going. <laughs> We're high-fiving each other like, like the heavens just opened. Oh. I, I'm taking pictures of him. And my kids are going, Dad, that's creepy. <laughs> you need to tell him why. So I said, I said, um, we just had this experience. I'd like to take a picture with you. He goes, he goes, why would anybody treat someone that way? Don't they know it's so much easier to do the right thing? Come on, Christians. Come on, Christians. Last but not least, pray and worship. Pray and worship. So the Bible says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. 
We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Amen. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues from generation to generation. Amen. 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 You want to be blessed? Engage the Lord. Engage the Lord. Come on, husbands. How many of you know what your wife's voice sounds like? Can I tell you of a day, well, my, my wife and I have known each other since she was six. I was nine. She said she knew she wanted to marry me at six. How awesome is that? Well, when you have this kind of masculinity, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I told you pride was. <laughs> anyway, um, but, but we've, we've known each other and we used to talk on the phone for hours because we had a long distance relationship. You want your relationship to last, have a long distance one. And we, we would talk, and I got to know her. But on one day, she calls, and uh, I answer. I said, hello? And she says, hey, babe, it's me. I said, who? She says, Melissa. I said, Melissa who? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That never happened. <laughs> but for some of you, it's like, hey, it's the Lord. The Lord who? Pray and worship. Amen. Worship him with all your heart. I love you, church. I love you. All right. Would you take your communion cup? And between you and the, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit, would you say, spirit of God, you have made me new. And your word says that the work that you have started, you will complete it. What is it that I can do? Maybe it's something in this message that he's prompting you towards. He's saying, I got more for you. I want to bless you at a deeper level. Maybe it's something beyond this message that this message may have triggered that he's been talking to you about, but I didn't cover it. Either way, have a conversation with the Spirit of the living God right there, you and Him. With every eye closed and every head bowed, just between you and God. Say, Lord, what is it that I can do? How are you speaking to me today? My answer is yes, Lord. Just go with me. Just go with me. Do what only you can do in my life and in my heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. It is by your blood that we are made new. In Jesus' name. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.